before we start, I would like to hand this out. I emailed you two documents. Now, some of you, uh, you have your parents' emails as your email, and, and that's fine. Just make sure that your parents give you the things that I send you, okay? Because I have a way to email your parents and the group on NCC Connect where you guys are included in. When I send something to that, I intend it to go to you. So, so if, you, if, you, if your mom or dad didn't tell you about this, I emailed this to you a couple days ago. Tonight, tell them, hey, did you get an email from Pastor Roy for me? Um, because that's for you. So, so I thought I'd just print them out for you. Uh, let's see. I printed a lot, so make sure you make sure you get a copy. And there's plenty for for the leaders too. The first document you guys already read: uh, the Church Boy Who Never Grew Up. You guys remember that? I know that that was months ago, back in summer camp. Remember, Pastor Darren, our guest speaker, wrote that document for, for, the, for the guys. And then, um, and then I was talking to, to, uh, to a lady who, who was like, man, somebody needs to write, uh, the, yeah, the church girl who never grew up, you know. And, and this, this lady who I know well, she's like, I said, you should write it. And she's like, oh, I don't have time for that. You know, homeschool four kids, or, or have four kids. I can't do that. And then uh, a friend of ours, Jill Rag, she's also in Florida, west coast of Florida. She ended up writing, guess what? The Church Girl Who Never Grew Up. And it came out, uh, I think, a week or two weeks ago. So, so I jumped on it, uh, read it, and it's just, it's, it's great. So, Boys and girls or, or young ladies and, and young men, read both, okay? Read The Church Boy Who Never Grew Up and The Church Girl Who Never Grew Up. That's your, that's your homework, okay? That's your homework. And I'm going to ask you again next Wednesday. And it's not that long, okay? It's much shorter than, than Harry Potter. Did you guys get a copy, all of you? Okay. Yeah, you, you're going to learn a lot of lessons reading those two short articles. This is for tonight. Yeah, that's how public schools do it, Anna Grace. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we normally just take one and then pass, the, pass it around. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, great. Uh, that's the great hearts way. Homeschool way, you know, they're so kind. They just yes, hand every single one to every single person. That feels special. special. <laughs> feel special. <laughs> okay, make sure you have your Bible. And... A handout that they're passing out. Yes. Anyone else? Yeah, your Bible, the handout, and something to write with. Let me pray before we start. Okay. Dear Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for 
Abby's birthday. We pray for her, that you'd bless her and, uh, and grow her. Thank you that we're here together tonight in, in this church as a group. We ask now for your help. We're going to talk about something that's, that's very convicting, something that's, that's true to all of us, uh, believers and non-believers, Christians and non-Christians. So I pray that we would be teachable, that we, we wouldn't hate your word, but we would receive it uh, with humility and faith, and that we would just love Jesus even much more after tonight and uh, ready to obey. Again, thank you that we're together, and thank you for, for Mark chapter 12. So help us, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Bible and your handout. Um, yes. You need more? Yeah, right here. You're welcome. Tonight we're going to talk about hypocrisy. Okay, hypocrisy. As a way of introduction, I, I'm going to share a story from my childhood, hopefully to, to introduce this topic of hypocrisy. Uh, grow, growing up, my dad had, had always worked overseas here in the States. And he would come home every year during Christmas time. So we would only see him once a year during Christmas time for like three weeks. For, I, I don't remember, 10 years, 13 years uh, when, when I was little. Well, one year he brought home Nike basketball shoes for Christmas. Uh, my brother got the Scottie Pippen. You guys probably don't know who Scottie Pippen is. <laughs> you, know, you know Scottie Pippen? Oh, yeah. Uh, the most underrated basketball player ever, uh, and underpaid. And so, so my brother got the Scottie Pippen Air Nike um, shoes, basketball shoes, black, you know, with the Air Max all around it, and then big, big letters A I R Air on both sides. So he got those, and then I got the Air Jordans, the MJ Nikes. The Air Jordans, I think they were the first edition, uh, all white with the black or the red around halfway. So, so we, got, we got these shoes for Christmas, and um, my, my brother didn't really play basketball, so he would just wear them, you know, every day. I played basketball, so I wore them to school, and, and every time I played basketball. Now, as you can imagine, my, my friends, okay, we didn't have... Facebook or Instagram, so it's not like, I, I, I can't tell you that, oh, I, I got a bunch of likes. Um, we didn't have those things, but my friends just skyrocketed. It probably tripled, you know, tripled in a week because I just became the new coolest kid in school, being the first person, the first kid to ever own Air Jordans. And I think even in the town, I mean, we lived in a small town in the Philippines, not even in the city. I mean, we wore flip-flops to, to school. We, we wore flip-flops playing basketball. So here I am. Yes? Did I wear socks? I did. I wore socks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They weren't Nike socks, but you know, it didn't matter. I had, the, I had the Air Jordans. So warm to school every day, started playing basketball, wearing them. You know, my friends tripled in a week. You know, I'm the coolest kid, Air Jordans. And one of my new friends was interesting. He was, you know, it was a unique situation because before I had my Air Jordans, he didn't really hang out with me. 
He didn't really hang out with me. He hung out with the, with the cool kids, the other cool kids. You know, they didn't wear flip-flops playing basketball. They actually wore shoes. But here I am. I've upgraded from flip-flops and then jumped the, you know, the local market you know, shoes to, to Air Jordans. So I just, you know, I just s- stepped up. So, so this, this guy... You know, not really a friend, didn't really hang out with me. Now he's a friend of mine. And so he, he ends up befriending me. He ends up spending a lot of time with me. He ends up hanging out with me. You know, we, we started walking to school together. We started walking home together. He'd invite me over for, uh, uh, for dinner, you know, to, to watch uh, anime. And we'd look at our, we'd look at our uh, basketball uh, cards, our, our tops basketball cards. Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, we'd be, we'd be talking about basketball. So we became good friends, and he even started playing basketball with me. But then after a week or a month or so, uh, I, I came to realize what he was really after. All along, his real motive was to borrow my Air Jordans for his next upcoming basketball game. And, you know, I... I was his friend, we were friends, you know, he was cool, so I, I was happy to gain a, a cool friend, so I, I lent him my, my Air Jordans, and um, so he, he played in them, he used them, and, and then come to find out after, after the game, and I, I heard, I'd heard this, you know, a day or two after the game, but, but what he did after the game was he started telling his friends that that my Air Jordans weren't really that great. You know, they didn't really help him play better. You know, they, they were all right. They didn't really feel like they came from the United States. They felt like just, just the normal, you know, basketball shoes. So he was kind of dissing my, my Air Jordans. So about a year later, fast forward, he shows up to school, and guess what he had on? A new pair of Nike basketball shoes. I don't, I, I don't remember if they were Air Jordans like what I had, but straight from the United States of America. And when we, were, when we were little, we knew how to tell which basketball shoes were fake, you know, from just from the podunk marketplace over there, uh, made out of, uh, you know, I don't know, bicycle tire or something, <laughs> versus the real ones, the real Nike uh, basketball shoes from the United States. Uh, the, the main difference was when you played in them, they would, they would squeak on the basketball court. So, so you can imagine, you know, me playing in them and, and my shoes were squeaking. So people knew, oh, look at that kid. Must be from a rich family. He's wearing Nikes. So he shows up a year later after borrowing mine, you know, this and that are really not that great. They're all right. Now he owns his own pair and he starts playing in them and he's just loving the, the praise from other people. He starts saying things like, oh, these are just the greatest, you know, the Air Jordans are, are overrated, these ones are really the best, you know, they really helped me play better today. He was just loving the attention. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever had a friend like that. Uh, his name was Reinhardt, cool name, R-E-I-N, Hart, Reinhardt. You guys are like, what kind of name is that? <laughs> Um, but his heart wasn't so reined in. <laughs> he had something else in his heart. 
So I'm not sure if you've ever had a friend like Reinhardt, like, like I had in childhood, but how would you characterize someone like that? How would you ca characterize that friend if, if you were in my shoes? A what? A hypocrite. Right? A hypocrite. What, what is a hypocrite? Give me some definitions, your own definition of a hypocrite. Yes, Lauren. Yeah, behind, behind closed doors, yeah. Yeah, so, so you say something, but you don't really mean it because you deny it by your actions, right? What, what else? Any other way of describing a hypocrite? Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you give a standard for people to follow, like your friends, and then you break that standard. You, you yourself do it. Anything else? Oh, that's a good one. Being different with different crowd, depending how, how you want to be liked by, by that crowd. Yeah. Literally, the word is to be a stage player, uh, uh, an actor or an, or an actress. The, the, best, the best simple definition is a mask wearer. Okay, that's a hypocrite. Someone who wears a mask. Okay, not, not the COVID mask. We have to wear those, you know, if we go to restaurants. But... Um, it's, it's, it's for someone to wear a mask because you're hiding something that's true about you deep inside. So you put on a mask, right? And not just a mask to cover something, like, like the plain mask that I, that I have that I wear. You know, yeah, I put it on, there's nothing on. It's just covering my, my face. It's to wear a mask that has something on the covering. You know, like the new mask today that, you know, they have like, you know, mouths with zippers. Like, it, it would be that. It's to... It's, it's to cover something that's true about you deep inside that you, want, you don't want other people to see. And you put on this mask that had something else on the outside so that the people who are looking at you would think that that's you when in reality you're not really that. You're something else deep inside. So that was my friend, Reinhardt. He was a mask wearer. He said, oh, you're, you're my new friend. I love your shoes. I'm not jealous. I'm so glad you have new shoes, you know. Uh, I, I was, uh, I, I'm, I'm so excited that you've, you went from wearing flip-flops to having new shoes, you know, they're the greatest shoes ever. And then that was all a mask because later on, he really just wanted to wear it to get the praise from people and, and get his own shoes and then not be my friend anymore. So when you hear the word hypocrite, okay, you'll, we'll, we'll see that a couple times in our story tonight. Just think of that, okay? A mask wearer, okay? You guys, you guys get it? A mask wearer, somebody who wears a mask because he's trying to hide something from people, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But here in Mark chapter 12, Mark is not really going to talk about general hypocrisy like my childhood friend Reinhardt. You know, it's, the, the focus is not, it, the focus is hypocrisy, but not, not really about the general hypocrisy like, like, I just, like I just told you about. Mark is going to show us a group of people who, who, uh, who, 
who are going to commit religious hypocrisy. Okay, so a little more narrow when it comes to hypocrisy, religious hypocrisy. Mark is going to show us this group of people, uh, these, this group of people, they're going to claim to know God, but by their thoughts, by their words, by their deeds, they prove to be the total opposite. So, so deep inside, okay, by their thoughts and by the way they talk and by the way, by the way they live their, their life, they didn't really know God, but they didn't want people to see that, especially Jesus. So they put on this mask, okay, they wear this mask that says, hey, we actually know God. So this is really about, about religious hypocrisy, okay? People, like today, people who say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus Christ, I know God, I own the Bible, I read it, I even go to church, I even attend the youth group, but yet, behind closed doors, with all honesty, deep down in their hearts, they actually don't believe all those things. They actually love their sin. They're actually not a Christian. That's religious hypocrisy. So look at chapter 12, and uh, we are going to just cover a really short story. I know last week we had, I don't know how many verses, a lot of verses. Tonight we're only going to have several. So chapter 12, verse 13. Okay, chapter 12, verse 13. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and you defer to no one because you are not partial to any, but you teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, okay? What does that mean again? Mask wearing. Knowing their mask wearing. Jesus said to them, why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought one, and he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's, and they were amazed at him. Now, um, I don't know if you listen to other people uh, preaching through Mark or reading commentaries about Mark. I don't know if you guys do that, but uh, maybe some of you do. Um, it's going to be common to hear from other preachers that, that uh, for them to say that the main point here is, is submitting to the government that you are to pay your taxes, you are to submit to the government. That is true. The Bible does talk about that, but that is not what Mark is talking about. I believe that what Mark is talking about here is hypocrisy. Again, this is Passion Week, right? This is still Tuesday. Jesus Christ is going to be crucified on Friday, right? He's now in Jerusalem in the temple. You know, millions, thousands of people are, are in town for, for the Passover. So I don't think he would be so concerned to teach his disciples and these people about paying your taxes. I think he's really concerned about the religious leader's hypocrisy. I think that's what's going on here, which has been ramping up as, as, we, as we look at the, the story. So, so it's about hypocrisy. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at three ugly traits, okay, and I'm calling them ugly, three ugly traits that are under the mask of a religious hypocrite. 
okay? And again, we're going to talk about the Pharisees and the, and the Herodians, but I want you to put yourself in their shoes and really examine your heart if you have these ugly traits and if you're trying to cover them so that people around you wouldn't see them and people around you would be deceived and think that you're a Christian or you're doing well spiritually. So three ugly traits that are under the mask of a religious hypocrite. Here's the first one. Hypocrites tolerate other sinners. Hypocrites tolerate other sinners, meaning they don't really care about other sinners because they know that they too are sinners. Okay? This would be like someone who, um, who's struggling with, with a specific sin and then that person has a friend who's also struggling with, that, with the same specific sin, instead of challenging and helping the friend or coming together so that they could both repent of that sin, they just tolerate each other's sin because they, they don't really want to repent from that sin. They don't really want to do the hard work, so they just say, uh, actually, you're okay, I'm okay, we're still friends. Yeah, I do struggle with that. Oh, you do too? Okay, you do struggle with that too? Okay, well, you know, I'll be praying for you. Okay, I'll be praying for you too. Okay, let's just continue in our sin and, and be okay with the Lord. That's hypocrisy, and that's what they're doing here. So look at verse 13. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement. So who are the they here? Who are the they who... who are sending the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus. Yes, Anna Grace. Religious leaders, yes, but who? Yeah. Priests and scribes and the trio, the, tri the, the triad, yes. Elders, right? Where'd you guys find that? Give me chapter and verse. Verse 27, yeah, from last Wednesday. From last Wednesday, chapter 11, verse 27. They came again to Jerusalem, that's Jesus and disciples. And as he was walking in the temple, he was also teaching at the same time, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him. You guys remember last Wednesday, these, these three uh, people, right? The three people groups, they, they, come to, uh, they come to Jesus and they start questioning his authority Right? They start questioning his authority, they start, they start rejecting his authority, and then as a, as a response, Jesus gave the parable of the vine growers. You guys remember? So he gives the parable of the vine growers, and he talks about the, the vineyard, he talks about the master, right? The master sent his slaves, right, to collect money from the vine growers, and what did the vine growers do to his slaves? They killed them, all of them, right? And then at the end of the story, he sends his son, right, and then the vine growers also killed his son. And then at the end of the story, look at chapter 12, verse 12. Okay? Chapter 12, verse 12. And they, okay, the, 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 the priests, the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes, those people were seeking to seize Jesus, and yet they feared the people, for they understood that he spoke the parable against them. So they got the parable. They said, oh, we are the vine growers. He's telling us that we've been killing prophets and, and now we're about to kill Jesus. That's us. And what did they do at the end of the story? So they left him and went away. So they left Jesus and went away. Now what did they do next? Verse 13. They sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians. So, so these people, the scribes, the, 
chief priests and the elders, they, they said, man, we just got owned, right? We, we just got owned. Jesus just schooled us. But you know what? We have another tactic. We are going to send another people group, another new group, this second group, and, and they're going to own Jesus. They're going to take Jesus to school. And they are the Pharisees and the Herodians. So they're saying, you guys do, do our dirty work. You know, you do our dirty work. So they send them. Now, the Pharisees and the Herodians joining forces is super interesting. Okay, super interesting. They have lots of differences. Okay, listen to these differences. The Pharisees were more religious, while the Herodians were more political. Okay? Secondly, the, Pharisee, the Pharisees were pro-God's law, the, the Torah, okay? Old Testament, the laws, all those things, while the Herodians were pro-governmental law. All the Roman gov- uh, the laws, they, they were all about that. Thirdly, the Pharisees were for the Jewish people, right? They were the leaders of the Jewish people in the synagogues and the temple, while the Herodians, they were for the Roman citizens, for the people, and, and they pretty much disagreed on everything. Okay, the Pharisees and the Herodians, I mean, it's like oil and water. They, they didn't really mix. So, so for them to be joining forces here is super interesting because they disagreed on everything except for one thing. They agreed on one thing. They had one thing in common, and that was they both hated Jesus more than they hated each other. So they said, you know what? I, I know we don't like you. I know you don't like us. You know, we've been enemies for so long, but you know what? There's this enemy, okay? This one enemy that you hate, that we hate, and we gotta, we gotta kill him. We gotta take care of him. So that's what they're gonna do. They both hated Jesus. That was the only thing they had in common. The Pharisees hated Jesus for religious reason because remember, by this time, Thousands and thousands of people were starting to follow Jesus, and the Pharisees didn't like that because they wanted the Jewish people to keep following their laws and traditions and regulations. On the other hand, the Herodians hated Jesus for political reason. You know, thousands and thousands of people were starting to follow Jesus. Now they're in Jerusalem, right? People are following him. People are saying, Hosanna, the king is here. And those people who are tired of the Roman go- government, they're saying, finally, we have a king. We're going we're gonna to start a, an, an uprising. Jesus is going to be our leader. We're going to get rid of Rome, and he's going to be our new king. So the Herodians, who were pro-Rome, pro-government, started worrying about that. So the Pharisees said, ah, we hate Jesus. We need to kill him. Oh, you guys... Uh, we don't like you, but we like you right now because I, we know you hate Jesus too and you, you want to kill him too. So let's join forces together. We've got to kill him. How are they going to do that? Well, they're going to set a trap. Okay, verse 13. Pharisees and Herodians were sent to Jesus in order to trap him. Okay, the, the word is, here is a hunting word. It's to, it's to lay down a snare to trap an animal so that you can kill that animal. So that's the, the word picture here. And how, and how are they going to do that? To make him say a statement, it's, Mark says. To trap him in a statement. They're trying to corner Jesus, put him in a difficult spot, so that he would have to make a controversial statement that would get him into trouble. That's their trap. That's their plan. Again, the, what's the lesson here, students? The lesson here is that hypocrites will always tolerate other sinners. 
So think about that for a moment. You, you shouldn't tolerate or overlook or minimize sin, okay? First of all, in your own heart, don't tolerate it, and also in somebody else's life, your friend's life. If they have sin that you're noticing, you don't tolerate that either, but it starts with you. And your goal as friends is to come together and you're to challenge each other in that sin, help each other in that sin so that you two can repent of that sin so that you can take your mask off and be a genuine person. The Herodians and Pharisees, they were hypocrites because they didn't really address each other's sins. They actually came together to commit the greatest sin, and that is to put Jesus to death. Number two, hypocrites deceive with flattery. Hypocrites deceive with flattery. You, you'll, you'll find out, and maybe this is you, that hypocrites are experts in flattering people. They love to flatter people. Look at verse 14. They came and said to him, so the Herodians and Pharisees, remember they're trying to set the trap, right, to make Jesus say something that's so controversial that he would get into trouble. They came and said to Jesus, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one, for you are not partial to anybody, but you teach the way of God in truth. So they're flattering here. They're flattering. The Pharisees and the Herodians are setting the trap for Jesus by flattering. They, they're, pretty much, they're pretty much saying to Jesus, they said, Teacher, we know that you are truthful. Meaning, hey, teacher, you, you, you're an honest teacher. You're a good teacher. You're so good. You're, you're like the best teacher we have. And also, you defer to no one. Meaning, you, you, you are brave. You're a brave teacher. You, you, you stand for the truth. You're not budging. You say what the Bible says. You defer to no one. And, and they also say, you're not partial, meaning you, you treat everybody fairly. We've seen you with the tax collectors. We've seen you with, with the sick people. We've seen you with the poor people. We've seen you with all these kinds of people. And you know what? You are not partial. You treat everybody fairly. You love all people, Jesus and then they said, and you teach the way of God in truth. They're saying, you're not like the false teachers. You only teach God's word. You only teach the Bible. You only teach what's true. You only teach the Bible, and you're so good at it. You're the best at it. You're just, you're just amazing, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that you came to Jerusalem this week. Thank you that you're walking around in the temple teaching. We love your teaching. You're the greatest teacher. They're, what are they doing? They're just buttering him up, right? Even though, what's interesting is that even though all of those things are true, right? All of those th things are true about Jesus, they're buttering him up so that he wouldn't find out their ev evil motives against him. Again, they're, they're, they just keep piling on one mask after the other. This is a lot of mask wearing for the, these hypocrites. Here's a lesson here for you students. If you're trying to keep a good Christian image in front of your parents, okay, in front of your friends, in front of the people here in the church, in front of your leaders back there, in front of me as your pastor, if that's what you're trying to do, trying to keep a good Christian image 
and you do that by being deceptive and flattering, you are being a hypocrite. Here's how you know. Okay, if you're asking, how, do I do that? How, if so, I want to know if I do that. Here's how you know if you are a deceiving flatterer. Okay? If your parents tell you something that's hard to hear, maybe a consequence, maybe uh, a limitation of a freedom, you know, something, something that's stepping on your toes, something that you don't like, and, and you start deceiving them by coming up with all th these flatteries so that they would lift up the consequence or, or give you back your freedom or whatever it may be that you want, that's hypocrisy. That's hypocrisy. When it comes to your leaders, to, to your pastor, here's how it plays out. Um, especially in one-on-one -on -one conversation or D-groups conversation, and your leaders or your pastors start asking you hard, penetrating questions that, 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 that really demand you to open your heart and be honest with your struggles and be honest with your sins so that that leader or that pastor can help you and you, instead of opening, what do you do? You put a mask over it. How do you do that? You just deceive by flattery. You just say, oh, you know, thank you so much that you, you care so much about me. You know, I love, I love uh, going to church. I love Mark. Look at all my notes that I've taken. I just love Jesus, you know. I just really feel it when I sing to him. So you, what are you doing? You're just deceiving. You're just flattering so that that leader, that pastor, would, would stop asking you hard questions that demand you to be open and honest. That's hypocrisy. That's what these people are doing here. Flattering Jesus because they just want one mask over the other because they're trying to hide their evil motive. Here's the third one, the third ugly trait that is under the mask of a religious hypocrite. Hypocrites reject God's authority. Hypocrites reject God's authority. They don't like it. They don't want to submit to it. They actually want to run from it. Or they pretend to be submitting to it while deep inside they hate it. They want to submit to their own authority. They want to do what they want to do, how they want to do it, when they want to do it. So the Pharisees and the Herodians finally set their trap. Okay, They finally set their trap. Look at, look at verse 14 again, um, second half. They, the, the, their trap is a question. Okay, Look at this question. Jesus, is it lawful? Okay, Meaning, is it okay or is it the right thing or, or also you can say is it the biblical thing to do Jesus to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not and then they re-ask that question in a different statement shall we pay or shall we not pay okay again that's that's the trap that's that's the trap that they're setting in front of Jesus because because they're they have the evil motive behind their question okay this is what they were really saying they were really saying this so so you can imagine them you know kind of huddling up just like the chief priests and the scribes and the elders right they huddled up and then they asked jesus where he got his authority and then jesus you know just owned them by the parable they're doing the same thing here the pharisees and the herodians they kind of okay let's let's huddle up here we're 
Well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna set the trap, okay? So here's the trap. We're going to ask him, okay, if it's biblical to pay your taxes. And then maybe one group says, what, why, why is that? Why, that's your trap? What, explain that to me. Okay, let me explain that to you. Listen, if Jesus says, no, it is not biblical to pay your tax to the government, then he's going to get into trouble with the government because they'll see him as anti-Roman government. So they're going to send people to take him away because they're going to think he's an activist, anti-Rome, anti-government. So they're going to arrest him and kill him. So that's, that's what's going to happen to him if he says no. And then the other group says, well, what if he says yes? Exactly. Now, if he says yes, if he says yes, it is lawful and biblical to pay your tax to the government, then he's going to get into trouble with the Jews. Because the Jews, they're going to see him as pro-Rome, and the Jews, remember, they already hate Rome, right? They hate paying the taxes. They hate being under the, the, the authority of Rome. They want out. That's why they want Jesus to come and overthrow Rome so that he be the, the new king. So, so if Jesus says, hey, guys, it is biblical to pay your taxes to the Roman government, then the Jews are going to hate him and say, ah, oh, that's not right, Jesus. You're now pro-Rome. I thought you were, you were with us, but you're not with us. So the Jews, they're going to get together and they're going to take him away and kill him. So you can imagine in that little huddle, the Herodians and the Pharisees are high-fiving themselves. Ah, guys, we got him. We've cornered him. This is the best trap. If he says no, he's in trouble. If he says yes, he's in trouble too. We got him. It's over. The scribes, the, the, the chief priests and the elders, they couldn't get him earlier this morning. So they have to send us. So now it's us. We're much better. We're much smarter. We've outsmarted Jesus. Here's the trap. It's over. He's in trouble. He's going to fall into the trap. We can finally get rid of this problem. But look at Jesus' response. Look at verse 15. But he, Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy. Listen, students. Jesus always knows what's going on in your heart. No matter how many masks you put on, no matter how good you are as a mask wearer, as a hypocrite, Jesus always knows what's going on. But he, Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, so here's his, um, his, his response, guys, why are you testing me? You know what? Bring me a denarius, a coin. It's, it was their Roman coin, their, their currency. Bring me a denarius to look at. And, uh, and it's interesting because in Matthew, Matthew said, knowing their wickedness. So you can kind of see that their hypocrisy is trying to hide their wickedness. And Luke, in his story, he said, knowing their craftiness, their deceitfulness. So all of these descriptions are negative against the Pharisees and the Herodians. They're hypocrites, they're wicked, they're being crafty. And Jesus could see through their mask. He knew exactly what was going on. So he says, bring me a coin, bring me a Daenerys. Verse 16, they brought one to him, and he said to them, okay, I mean, you can just kind of imagine, right? You know what, guys, give me a coin. Oh, a coin, why is he asking for a coin? You have a coin, bud? Oh, I don't know, I don't pay my taxes. You have a coin? Yeah, I have a coin. Here, here's a coin. I don't know what he's going to do with this, but you give it to him. No, you give it to him. So they gave it to him. Right? So they, they brought one, and, he, and, and Jesus said to them, Okay, guys, 
huddle up, you know, look at this coin. Whose likeness or image and inscription or statement is on the coin? And they said to him, uh, Caesar's? Caesar's? No, I, I included a picture on your handout of, of the coin, okay? That's, that's a denarius. That, that would, that's, that's what it looked like. That one actually is for sale right now. If you have $25,000, you can buy that right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, you would, you would own a denarius with, this, with Caesar's, you know, not a glamour shot, you know, but, you know, a side, a side shot there. Um, and you can own that for only $25,000. You can buy that right now. Well, I think that was eBay or somewhere. You know, that's an old coin, 2,000 years old. So, so that's the coin, okay? That's what it looked like. That's a denarius. So that's Tiberius Caesar's face, or side face, <laughs> that's on the coin. Remember, the Caesars were the... Were the, the, Caesar, the, the Caesars were like the presidents, okay? So Tiberius Caesar would be, you know, like President Tiberius in their time. So their first, their first Caesar was Augustus Caesar, right? He was the one when Jesus was born who said, hey, I want a census of all people. You know, I want to count everybody in this region because I want to, I want to know how much poll tax I can get out from these people. So I want to know how many people we have here. So that's Augustus Caesar. So Augustus Caesar's son was Tiberius Caesar, so now it's his inscription, his Im- image on this coin, and, and you, see, you might see some letterings around his, his uh, face there. Uh, the inscription or the statement says, Tiberius Caesar, the son of the divine Caesar, meaning Augustus Caesar, his dad, the first Roman emperor, the first Roman king. So, they, so the Herodians and the Pharisees, they, they give Jesus this coin, and he asks them, okay, do you guys see the picture? Whose image? Caesar's. You guys see what it says? Yes, Tiberius Caesar, the, the, the son of the divine Caesar. And look at what he says next, verse, verse 17. And Jesus said to them, okay, then what's the big deal? Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Okay, give back to Caesar what belongs to him. So if poll tax is what he's asking from you, then you give him the poll tax. But he didn't end there. Jesus continued on and said, And to God, meaning and render to God, give back to God the things that are God's. So he pretty much says yes and no to the question. So they didn't really trap him. They couldn't really trap him. They thought he, they, thought he uh, they outsmarted Jesus, but Jesus was much, much smarter than them because he knew their hypocrisy, their wickedness, and, and their craftiness, and he is spot on with his answer. Now, here's the main point of verse 17, okay? So Jesus says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. What, what's Jesus doing here? Jesus' point here is that he said, hey guys, the coin bears the image of who? Caesar. Okay, which means he owns this coin, guys, which also means that you're to honor him by paying your taxes, plain and simple. So the Herodians and the Pharisees were like, okay, we get that, we get that. But on the flip side, Jesus says, on the other hand, guys, you bear the image of who? What's the answer? God, right? Because human beings are made in God's image, right? So, so essentially, by implication, that's what he's telling them 
hey, you guys bear the image of God, which means God owns you, which also means that you're to honor Him by what? By submitting to His authority. And I know your hypocrisy, I know your wickedness, I know your craftiness, and you actually hate God's authority. That's why you're trying to trap me so that I could get into trouble so that I can get killed. And Jesus saw through that. And he used the coin with an image saying that that coin belonged to that person's image and they were to render to that person what belonged to that person. And in, in essence, he's saying, you guys bear God's image. He created you, yet you've been living your life rejecting his authority. Hypocrites, he said. Wicked people, crafty people. Look at the end result, the end of verse 17. And they were amazed at him. Short statement. And they were amazed at him. They were, and this is not a, like a positive amazed at Jesus. This is a negative amazed at Jesus. They were so shocked how Jesus just outsmarted them and schooled them and avoided their trap. He ended up trapping them. He ended up saying, you guys are hypocrites. You guys are trying to pit me, trying to make me disobey the Roman government so I could get into trouble, while you guys are disobeying God's authority. You guys are the hypocrites. So listen, students, here's the last lesson I want to give you from this last point. And it's probably the most important one. If you profess to be a Christian tonight, okay, listen to me. If you profess to be a Christian tonight, but your thoughts, your words, your actions prove the opposite, like the Pharisees and the Herodians, what you need to do is to stop wearing that mask. Stop putting mask over another mask over another mask. You don't do that. You stop doing that. No more hypocrisy for you. No more rejecting God's authority. No more flattery to get out of hard questions. What you need to do, guys, is you need to go to Jesus. You need to unmask your face, your heart in front of Jesus and confess your sins to him and seek his forgiveness, which he graciously and mercifully will give to you and place your trust in his work on the cross. That's what you need to do. Listen, if you do that, Okay, if you choose to say tonight, you know what, I'm tired of wearing a mask. The only person I'm deceiving is myself. I'm not deceiving Jesus because Mark just told me that he can see through my hypocrisy. You know what, I'm going to take off all my mask. I'm going to confess all my sins. I'm going to seek forgiveness from the Lord, and I'm going to start trusting him. If you do that, student, if you do that, God will no longer see your sin. Therefore, you don't, you don't need to cover it anymore. Because you know what? what? You know what God sees when he looks at you, when you're saved? He doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus Christ covering. He sees Jesus Christ's blood covering. He sees Jesus Christ's blood righteous covering over your sins, all of them. And what happens when he looks at you that way? He is pleased and he is glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ for what he's done for you. So you choose, student, what, what do you want? You, do you want to keep wearing a mask that can deceive me and your leaders and your parents? 
thinking that you're something when you're not? Or are you going to rip off that mask and come clean to Jesus and Jesus puts his covering on you and God no longer sees you as a sinner? He now sees you as a child, as a daughter, as a son, as a forgiven, adopted child. I can't make that decision for you. You have to make that decision. So guys, these traits are ugly. And if you have them under your mask tonight, you are just being like the Pharisees and the Herodians. Look at the, the list there on your handout. Uh, this is another homework. I'm giving you a lot of homework, <laughs> but it's good for you. Um, I just gave you eight. I think I had more, so I narrowed it down to eight. Other passages to consider about hypocrisy. If you want to do more study on, on hypocrisy, mask wearing, um, go through these things. Hypocrites can profess faith and also deny it. Hypocrites focus on other people's faults. Hypocrites exaggerate their good works. Hypocrites crave being on the spotlight. God knows everything about hypocrites. God warns Christians to avoid hypocrites. God will judge hypocrites who do not repent. Number eight, God will forgive hypocrites who choose to repent, right? From 1 John, 8, 1 John 1, 8. If you confess your sin, he is just and righteous, and he will forgive. Okay? Now go to your groups, and you have those three questions to discuss, and you guys can close in prayer.